February 15th, 2013 was another cold winter day in Chelyabinsk, Russia. The northern industrial city at the base of the Ural Mountains was still shrouded in darkness, even into the mid-morning hours. A little after 9 a.m., Daria Fren looked out her kitchen window at the Soviet-era metal thermometer tacked onto the windowsill. The little mercury tube showed a temperature of 5 degrees Fahrenheit. 9.17 a.m., the sun finally peaked over the horizon, casting a dull glow over the industrial city. The plumes of steam from the nearby zinc factory shined in the morning light. But just three minutes later, the glowing sky abruptly grew brighter and brighter. A blinding flash filled the window and a wave of heat flooded into Daria's kitchen. Then the bright flash dissipated as quickly as it had appeared. Daria looked outside. A long, single cloud was hovering over the city. It looked like the path of a missile. Daria worried there had been a nuclear attack, that there was going to be radiation in the air. But then a few seconds later, Daria's kitchen window exploded. A huge shockwave thundered through the building, shaking the foundation. Daria screamed and ducked to the floor. It wasn't a nuclear explosion. It was something else far more powerful. An asteroid had just struck Earth. Welcome to Natural Disasters, a ParCast original. I'm your host, Kate. And I'm Tim. Every Thursday, we explore the moments in history when the natural world turned deadly. You can find all episodes of Natural Disasters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify or wherever you listen to podcasts. To stream Natural Disasters for free on Spotify, just open the app and type Natural Disasters in the search bar. This episode of Natural Disasters will be our last for a while as we go on hiatus. It has been a pleasure to bring you the most riveting stories of nature's fury over the past year, and we have enjoyed all of your engagement and feedback. From everyone on the Natural Disasters team, thank you for listening. In true Natural Disasters style, we're going out with a bang. Our story today is about the Chelyabinsk meteor strike in 2013, the most explosive object ever recorded entering Earth's atmosphere. We'll explore the origins of the fateful asteroid and how it came to be on a path toward Earth. We'll follow its trajectory through the atmosphere to its final impact site outside Chelyabinsk, then investigate the aftermath and the future threat of asteroids. We'll look to the stars right after this. Welcome back to Collector's Closet, presented by the Ohio Lottery. Let's discuss my newest prize possession, this new $10 scratch-off, the $500,000 Platinum Jackpot. The best method I've found so far to help it hold its value is to vacuum seal it. This thing cannot get scratched. What's that? Sorry, my producer's telling me the only way it could be worth up to 500 grand is if I do scratch it? Okay, well, in that case, definitely don't overprotect your $500,000 Platinum Jackpot scratch-offs. Play them. Lottery players are subject to Ohio laws and commission regulations. Play responsibly. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices 
down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We are not alone in our solar system. Along with the well-known planets and their moons, there are millions of bits of rock orbiting the sun. Some of these, called meteoroids, are the size of a grain of rice. Others, called asteroids, can be several hundred miles in diameter. These rocks are millions or even billions of years old, and they are made up of a blend of different mineral elements. Each of these rocks is called an asteroid, and the planets and moons are bombarded by them frequently. When one of these asteroids slams into a planet or a moon, it explodes. The energy released in these cosmic collisions varies. A tiny impact could be like blowing up a stick of dynamite, while another could equal the force of a dozen nuclear bombs. This is why our moon has so many gray pockmarks and huge impact craters. The other rocky planets have similar scars on their surface from asteroid collisions. Our own planet has been struck by asteroids, and some were catastrophic. 66 million years ago, a sizable asteroid struck the ground along the southern edge of the Gulf of Mexico. The resulting explosion was equivalent to 100 trillion tons of TNT, and it was catastrophic for the Earth. The impact threw enough dirt, rock, smoke, and fire into the atmosphere that it blocked most of the sunlight for a period of time. Without sunlight, very few plants and animals could survive. Scientists presume that this is why the largest animals on the planet back then, the dinosaurs, disappeared completely. And the dinosaur killer was only six to nine miles in diameter. That's nothing compared to the largest asteroids in the solar system. Some are over 300 miles in diameter. This means we can easily see them through a telescope. The dangerous asteroids are the ones we can't see coming. Luckily, we have a bit of protection from incoming rocks. While our planet has a few notable craters like the one in Mexico, Earth's surface looks pretty clean compared with our planetary neighbors. Thanks to our unique atmosphere, we avoid most asteroid impacts. The mesosphere surrounding the Earth is like a protective shield against the incoming space rocks, causing them to burn up before reaching the ground. But since there is no air in space, asteroids fly through the solar system without any resistance. This means they can reach incredible speeds, upwards of 85,000 miles an hour. That's about 50 times faster than a speeding bullet. But when one of these asteroids enters our atmosphere, the hurtling rock abruptly meets air resistance. As scientist Randy Koratev explains, when these things hit the atmosphere, it's like hitting concrete. The friction generated between the air and the speeding rock is so great that it superheats the asteroid instantly. The rock explodes before it hits the ground. When this happens, the asteroid becomes a meteor. Some people call them shooting stars, but they're not stars at all. A meteor is a burning chunk of rock as it falls through the atmosphere. The fiery spectacle only lasts a few seconds before the rock blows up. 
But even though the rock itself is destroyed in midair, this atmospheric explosion sometimes has an effect on the Earth below. On June 30, 1908, a meteor exploded over Russia in a region called Tunguska in Siberia. In the forest directly below, 80 million trees were flattened in an instant by the shockwave. Over 800 square miles of forest were decimated by the explosion. People thousands of miles away reported glowing sunsets from the dusty rock particles in the air. Yet it wasn't until a hundred years later that scientists found microscopic traces of the meteorite. This was evidence of another alarming consequence of meteors. Sometimes they don't burn up completely. When a sizable meteor explodes, some shards of rock survive and hit the ground. These pieces of rock are called meteorites. Throughout history, humans have been fascinated by these cosmic souvenirs. Many ancient cultures reported streaking lights in the sky and subsequent discoveries of unusual rocks. Some even collected them as prized possessions. But not every encounter with a meteorite was worth celebrating. One woman found this out the hard way. In November 1954, 34-year-old Ann Hodges was taking a nap on her sofa in Sylacaga, Alabama. She was wrapped in a thick blanket, which saved her moments later when a grapefruit-sized meteorite punched through her roof. The boiling rock smashed into the house. It slammed into Anne's side, leaving a massive dark bruise. Anne was considered lucky, but not because she had survived. Scientists were astonished that Anne had been struck at all. It was exceedingly rare for a meteorite to hit the ground, much less land in a populated area. As astronomer Michael Reynolds explained, Think of how many people have lived throughout human history, and you have a better chance of getting hit by a tornado and a bolt of lightning and a hurricane all at the same time. The majority of our planet's surface is open water. Most meteors fall in the ocean, and many are found in the cold, remote swaths of land close to the Earth's poles. This makes Russia a prime target for meteors. Planetary scientist Clark Chapman explained that Russia is by far the largest land area in the world. It will get struck several times more often than other places. This explains the location of the most witnessed meteor in history. Like the forest destroyer of 1908, this enormous meteor landed in Russia. Just after 10.30 a.m. on February 12, 1947, Residents of the mountainous Sikotayaline region saw a bright ball of fire in the sky. Many described it as brighter than the sun, and it left a streak of dark, smoky dust 20 miles long. At three and a half miles above the ground, the ball split apart into hundreds of tiny spurts of flame. They plunged into the snowy mountain range and disappeared. Over the next two months, Scientists found 122 craters over half a square mile, including one that was 85 feet wide and 20 feet deep. Luckily, the spray of meteor debris had come down in the mountains. The damage would have been catastrophic if the shards had plowed into a city. 
but almost exactly 66 years later, another asteroid headed toward a Russian metropolis. And it would be unlike anything the world had ever seen. Coming up, a celestial visitor wreaks havoc in Chelyabinsk. This episode is brought to you by Rakuten. Are you ready to shop? Rakuten's Big Give Week is back. Get 15% cash back at hundreds of stores, including headliners, Ulta, Ray-Ban, and Canon. Rakuten is how in-the-know shoppers get the best savings. They shop the brands they love and earn cash back on top of deals during Big Give Week, May 6th to May 13th. The cash back rates are even bigger. I'll be shopping for Adidas and Fenty. You can save on everything you need for summer, like clothing, outdoor gear, and travel. Join today for free and get an extra 10% cash back boost. That's an extra 10% cash back on top of Big Give Week's 15% cash back. You won't see higher cash back rates than these. Go to Rakuten.com or download the Rakuten app. R-A-K-U-T-E-N. Shoppers get it. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready get 30, ready get 20, 20, 20, ready get 20, 20, ready get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Now back to the story. The Earth is pummeled with asteroids and smaller meteoroids every day, but few of these survive their trip through the atmosphere. With a few notable exceptions, like the dinosaur killer, these space rocks simply become a dazzling display for nightly stargazers. However, on the morning of February 15, 2013, an asteroid was approaching Earth's atmosphere at over 40,000 miles per hour and it was about to do more than dazzle the citizens of Chelyabinsk, Russia. The asteroid plummeted into the atmosphere a few seconds after 9.20 a.m. It entered at a less than 20 degree angle, a relatively flat inclination. The meteor looked like it was moving almost parallel to the ground. This shallow path gave the asteroid a longer distance to travel to reach the Earth. The rock was approximately 60 feet in diameter and weighed about 11,000 tons. Most of the mass was silicate, with smaller amounts of sulfide and iron nickel, which began to melt as the frictional heat increased. Once it reached its highest temperature, the outer layers of melting rock sloughed off into the air in a process called ablation. Ablation is like peeling back the thin skin of an onion layer by layer. Each layer of rock burned brighter and brighter, finally drawing the attention of the Russian citizens below. At 9.20 a.m., Sergei Zabin was driving through the north side of Chelyabinsk. He was heading down a main road when the meteor plowed through the atmosphere. Through the upper corner of his windshield, Sergei noticed a bright flash. He had a dashboard camera in his vehicle, and it framed the meteor's path perfectly. Sergei shielded his eyes from the glare as the streak of fire burned over Chelyabinsk. It looked like a crashing plane. 
A few miles away, behind the reception desk of the Park City Hotel, Maria Polyakova saw the initial flash out the front window. She said, I turned toward it and saw a burning cloud, which was surrounded by smoke and was going downward. This cloud was the beginning of the meteor's tail. As the rock layers burned off from the friction, they left a dark trail of smoke and soot. Meteors of fireball magnitude, like the one in Chelyabinsk, can develop two types of tails. The first is a smoke trail, like the one Maria saw, which usually signifies that the meteor is within 50 miles of the ground. Below this altitude, the ablation of the rock layers burns like anything else in our atmosphere and produces smoke. The second type of meteor trail is called a train. A train is made of glowing ionized air molecules scattered by the giant burning rock. It usually only lasts a few seconds as the meteor traverses the upper atmosphere over 65 miles up. Their glow is rarely seen during the day. But as the Chelyabinsk meteor hurtled through the early morning atmosphere, it produced both types of tails almost simultaneously. The glowing path looked like a giant white scar across the pale sunrise for several seconds, and the rock was still falling toward the city. As the meteor left its glowing, smoky trail through the sky, the rock itself was burning brighter than the sun. Sergei's dash cam video recorded three different colors in the fireball as it streaked over Chelyabinsk. Blue, yellow, then red. The blue color meant that the rock wasn't just brighter than the sun, it was likely hotter than the sun, too. The photosphere layer of our star is about 6,000 kelvins, a temperature that makes it appear yellow. But higher temperatures burn in a white, then blue color. The flaming meteor reached a peak temperature over 6,000 kelvins. For a few milliseconds, it was like the sun was only a few dozen miles above Chelyabinsk. Down in her kitchen, Daria Friend felt the blast of heat as it washed over the city. She said, there was such heat coming in as if it were summer in the yard. The immense temperature was too much for the metallic rock to withstand. South of Chelyabinsk, near the border between Russia and Kazakhstan, and at 14 to 17 miles above the city, the meteor exploded. Around 500 kilotons of energy were released in an instant. The explosion was 30 times more powerful than an atomic bomb. The flash of the explosion was blinding. School teacher Valentina Nikolaeva wondered if she was seeing the apocalypse. She said, it was a light which never happens in life, only in the end of the world. The explosion quickly turned to yellow, then red, cooling off quickly as the rock disintegrated. The meteor fractured apart into a spray of smaller meteorites, which continued to slow and cool off as they neared the ground. The glow of the fractured meteor slowly faded into a speeding dot, dropping closer and closer to the horizon and eventually disappearing. So far, the entire atmospheric spectacle had been a silent light show. Nobody heard the meteor as it fell to Earth. Sound travels at about 760 miles per hour through air, which is a mere fraction of the speed of light. This is why there's a delay between a flash of lightning and the boom of thunder. 
But this discrepancy also meant that any sound the meteor produced would arrive after the blazing rock had already fallen. Less than two minutes after the meteor faded from view, a deafening boom rocked the city of Chelyabinsk. It was the shockwave from the meteor explosion, rolling over the earth at the speed of sound. The city was immediately hurled into chaos. Unfortunately, many people who had witnessed the meteor were gathered at the windows when they exploded inward. Across the city, picture frames, dishes, and television screens inside buildings fractured simultaneously. Hundreds of people were cut by the shattering glass, and thick layers of shards blanketed the streets. Entire office and apartment complexes shattered in the blast, and window frames and doors were blown off their hinges. Terror gripped many of the residents, whether they had seen the meteor or not. When the meteor struck, Chelyabinsk schools were just starting their first lessons of the day. As windows burst around them, students screamed and fled into the hallways. The shockwave collapsed a section of the outer wall at a large zinc plant in the city. Another 6,000 square feet of roof fell a few seconds later, putting the zinc production out of commission. The shockwave continued outward from the city, moving at the speed of sound. It hit the village of Padanina, a few miles outside Chelyabinsk, and cracked the ceiling of a house. At the Belitsky family home, the wave of pressure seemed to come in through the chimney. The massive rush of air blasted soot and charred logs out of the fireplace and into the house, covering everything in black. The shockwave emanated outward and rattled windows in towns and villages as far away as Kazakhstan. As the wave rolled farther and farther over the earth, it couldn't be heard anymore. But while humans couldn't hear it, the shockwave was still moving. Shockwave energy is measured by infrasound, which is a range of sound below human hearing. The Chelyabinsk meteor had one of the largest detected infrasound signatures. In fact, the Chelyabinsk meteor shockwave was the most powerful ever recorded. A seismic listening station in Antarctica picked up the wave two times, meaning the wave circled the entire globe at least twice. Back in Chelyabinsk, the smoky trail was beginning to fade. Classes had been canceled and people poured out into the street. The entire event had taken less than 10 seconds, so few people had actually seen the meteor and explosion. It didn't take long for rumors to spread. Many people believed a plane crashed or a bomb had gone off. Some thought it was an enemy attack and were worried about possible radioactive fallout. In one neighborhood, a group of elderly women were in the street, wailing and praying. They were convinced the world was ending. No matter what people thought, one thing was obvious. It was still cold. With so many windows smashed and the external air temperature hovering around 5 degrees Fahrenheit, people were suddenly left in the freezing cold. People rushed to board up windows and put on extra layers of clothing. Injured victims made their way to hospitals in private vehicles or on foot when they found they couldn't call an ambulance. For an hour after the meteor struck, Chelyabinsk resembled a war zone. People staggered through the streets, trading theories. 
Emergency services were stretched thin, responding to an overwhelming influx of calls. And soon, through the internet, the world discovered what had happened in Chelyabinsk. People were able to see videos of the meteor, and the Russian government made an official announcement about the impact. Many people took to blogs, YouTube, and Twitter to describe their experiences. Many of them mentioned that the meteor faded to a tiny dot before plunging into the forest. These accounts implied that some pieces of the meteorite shards had survived. These chunks of space rock could help determine where the asteroid had come from, and if there were more asteroids out there headed for Earth. Coming up, the cleanup and hunt for the remains of the meteor. Hi, I'm Avantika Chilkoti, host of the Modi Raj, a new podcast from The Economist. Narendra Modi has watched over a period of rapid growth in India, but he's also the front man for a chauvinistic Hindu nationalism. Now, he's eyeing another term as prime minister. What will it mean for India and the world? I've been trying to get inside his head. Listen now to the Modi Raj from The Economist, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, back to the story. On the morning of February 15, 2013, a fiery meteor coursed through the sky over Chelyabinsk, Russia. From its entry into the atmosphere until impact on the ground, the entire event lasted just 30 seconds. But the effects of the cosmic intrusion would last for days. As the injured residents of Chelyabinsk flowed into the city's hospitals and told their stories, the scope of the damage became clear. Over 4,000 buildings were damaged by the shockwave, including 12 schools and at least six hospitals. The vast majority of the damage came from shattered windows. Initial estimates said that more than one million square feet of broken glass littered the streets. More than 1,600 people were injured following the meteor strike. Officials reported that over 250 of the victims were children, mostly suffering from lacerations due to the flying glass. Some of the kids were seriously injured enough to require hospitalization. There were also head injuries, broken bones, and a report of a lacerated eye. One person suffered a fracture in their spine. They had to be airlifted to a trauma center in Moscow. As injured citizens went to hospitals, other people started finding meteorites. A retired dairy worker named Alexandra Gerasimova, age 61, had even been hit by one. Alexandra and her husband were outside when the exploded meteor streaked overhead. Moments later, she felt a small thump on her jacket and looked down to find a hole in the outer lining. She dug a finger inside and found a tiny stone. Another report came from Lake Chabarkal, 43 miles from Chelyabinsk. Fishermen said they saw the meteorite land in the lake, blasting through the icy surface and causing a huge splash. When authorities visited the lake, they discovered a perfectly round 25-foot hole in the ice. The discovery of the landing site sparked an enormous meteorite hunt in the region. Based on the reports from various spots outside the city, the authorities estimated a very large meteorite debris zone. 
People flocked to the area to search every square foot of the snow-covered countryside. Scientists encouraged more people to join the hunt. After all, time was running out. During the week of February 15th, the weather was clear and sunny in Chelyabinsk. But since it was winter in Russia, there was deep snow on the ground across the region. This meant that when most of the thousands of meteorites hit the ground, they punched holes in the snow. It made them quite easy to find. Yelena Belitsky, whose stove had blown in during the shockwave, was one of the meteorite hunters. She said, People don't need expert evaluations to find meteorites. If there is a hole in the snow on a field, it is either a mouse or a meteorite. But once new snow fell, the holes would be covered. Time was of the essence. Fortunately, dozens of pieces of space rock were recovered in the week after the meteor strike as people turned out in droves for the search. Most weighed only a few grams, but some were the size of a fist. One woman named Larisa Bryukova found one of these larger chunks of meteorite in her woodshed. Just a few minutes after she made the discovery, a stranger appeared on her doorstep with a stack of money. He offered her $230 for the rock, and she sold it readily. A few hours later, another stranger saw the hole in her woodshed and offered $1,300 for whatever had fallen there. These strangers were flocking over the area, finding lucky hunters and paying cash for meteorites. Later, these same meteorites ended up for sale for thousands of dollars online. The meteorite rush lasted for 10 days, with searchers combing the countryside. Then, 11 days after the meteor fell, a fresh snowfall erased all of the holes that showed where the rock shards landed. The great Chelyabinsk meteorite hunt was over. Except at Lake Chabarkal, where divers were still looking for the giant meteorite that made the hole in the ice. Scientists from Chelyabinsk State University were overseeing the recovery. Soon enough, they had calculated most everything about the meteor, including its size, speed, and mineral composition. But the final piece remained elusive at the bottom of the lake. The leader of the team, Dr. Nick Gorkavyi, said, The total weight of pieces in the lake must be several hundred kilograms. So far, only several kilograms have been recovered. The total mass must be there. This is dictated by the laws of physics. By October 2013, eight months after the meteor struck, a 1,250-pound meteorite was finally discovered on the bottom of the lake. The scientists finally had the main body of the meteor. The meteor was discovered to be four and a half billion years old, which meant it was older than the Earth itself. This meant the rock had some of the earliest minerals that formed the planets and moons. One scientist dubbed the meteorite creation material. A subsequent analysis found proof that the asteroid had collided with other space debris over millions of years. It seemed like the Chelyabinsk meteor had chipped off from a larger asteroid, which could still be orbiting through space. The chemical composition of the meteorites from Chelyabinsk matched other asteroids that had originated in the asteroid belt. This is a stretch of space between Mars and Jupiter, where thousands of asteroids orbit and often collide into each other. 
Most asteroids are relatively small and harmless, but a few are large enough to be dangerous. Scientists knew that some bigger rock had produced the meteor. They just didn't know which one. Could it be a massive asteroid that might one day follow its meteoric offspring and strike Earth? After years of speculation, scientists still aren't sure of the Chelyabinsk meteor's precise origin. In a 2013 study, Yuri Borovichka proposed that it broke off from a larger asteroid called the 1999 NC-43. Yet in 2015, another scientist refuted this claim based on the composition of the meteorites found in Chelyabinsk. Still, it's possible that other pieces of a giant asteroid could be heading for Earth. And so far, we can't see them. To date, about 18,000 near-Earth asteroids of various sizes have been identified by astronomers. Scientists try to track as many of the larger, more dangerous asteroids as they can. But because this is a difficult task, some asteroids have the potential to unexpectedly collide with Earth. In fact, several of them have already appeared in the years since Chelyabinsk. Russians were reminded of the 2013 event in December 2016, when another meteor plummeted to Earth over Siberia. This one exploded over the town of Sayanogorsk with another enormous boom. Then, in spring of 2019, yet another meteor streaked over Russia and exploded. In Krasnyarsk, the third largest city in Siberia, windows rattled as the bright meteor exploded over the city. But neither subsequent meteor was as big nor as fast as the Chelyabinsk meteor in 2013. As of summer 2020, it is still the biggest meteor in recent history and one of the largest ever. Unfortunately, it is only a matter of time, whether months or millions of years, until a bigger asteroid strikes Earth. Hopefully, when it happens, humanity will fare better than the dinosaurs did. Thanks for listening to Natural Disasters. You can find all episodes of Natural Disasters and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Natural Disasters, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Natural Disasters on Spotify, just open the app and type Natural Disasters in the search bar. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram at ParCast and Twitter at ParCast Network. Thanks again for joining us. Natural Disasters was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Isabella Way. This episode of Natural Disasters was written by Andrew Messer, with writing assistance by Kate Gallagher, and stars Tim Johnson and Kate Leonard. <laughs>